Good evening and welcome to Horror. I'm Lee. I'm Chris. I'm Adam. Yay. And we're here this evening uh, at behest of our friend and listener, Joe, who has requested Joseph Watson um, to use his full name because I've never actually spoken to him. So I probably shouldn't shorten his name. He might not like it. Um, who, who came up with a fantastic idea uh, last week and messaged Adam and said, have you guys covered ghost stories from 2017? If you haven't, it might be one to cover. Uh, and we all went, oh, shit. Yeah, we we all watched that and loved it and missed. Oh, and I forgot to say spoilers and swearing. Yes. We want to start re, you know, reintegrating that into the beginning of the show to give people a heads up because we've not done for the last couple of years. Here's, here's a spoiler. Joseph Watson may or may not have gone very high up or very low down in my estimation of him. Oh. I'm not, I'm not going to give it away. That's not a spoiler. You've got all that to that's come. Intrigue. That's yeah, intrigue. Right. There's, there's a bit of intrigue for you. That's you're, intrigue you're on the keyboard. You're a tease, Chris. That's what it is. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, but before we get to the bottom of that and find out how Chris <laughs> felt about this film, I'll really... I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. Uh, it's going well. I know. Right. So before we get into that, though, we're going to discuss what we've been watching. So over to you, Chris. What have you been watching? Well, I have been listening to... Oh, listening to uh the vampire lestat audiobook which oh. i know i know is not adam's favorite that was you know he lost a bit of the the Anne rice uh happiness That's during that book went off the boil i'll be <laughs> honest <laughs> <It> overboiled <laughs> but no yeah i've been enjoying it well i do actually really like the way she writes and the way she describes things and i still love the philosophy and the time and Lestat is is both likable and detestable yeah and that's the point of the character really. yeah yeah Yeah. but but I tell you what though listening to it at night when you're half falling asleep there is some weird stuff going on I was having some strange dreams about Vampire Lestat and his adventures in in the rock world but I I gotta say I've I've actually been enjoying it so I'm going to continue listening to these Excellent. Yeah. In- interviews, the only sort of short book, the mm. rest of the proper doorstop. They, they do step up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but I'm like, hoping. You've got a long way to go. There's like 12 or 13. Yeah. I, d- I don't know how far I'll get, but I, at the moment, I'm positive I'm definitely going to continue them. So yeah, no, I've been, I've actually really enjoyed going back to that because I did like them when I was younger. Um, and. Mm. It's been long enough that I've forgotten the details, let's say. But I did. I loved uh, watching the interview. And, yeah, that's the sort of thing that works for me. Fantastic. Excellent. Um, Adam, what have you been watching? I've, um, well, I've watched a documentary, Sons of Sam, on Netflix, which was a true crime documentary. But the reason I mention it is it did make me listen to Olva because Uh, the bloke, the bloke who did the music clearly has as well. Um, <laughs> and um, But yeah, that was uh, interesting, but it's the conspiracy that I know is hogwash, but it's quite interesting in that sense. Um, also, Greg Davis has got a new dark comedy on, and it feels a bit inside number nine, the way it's done. Is basically, it's called... It's is called it The Cleaner? Cleaner. Yes. Yeah. Funnily enough, we watched the first episode. Yes, with Helena Bonham Carter. Yes. Yeah. 
I, I didn't um, think of it exactly as horror, but yeah, it, it does have fine. a dark, mm. dark enough element. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, basically, Greg Davis is a crime scene cleaner. So he goes and mops up like murder scenes and de- dead bodies, basically. Um, but each week he encounters someone different. So the first week it's Helena Bonham Carter, who is actually the woman who stabbed her husband 35 times. And Greg, <laughs> she's showing Greg, to do it. Like, yeah, showing to do it about seven. Can't <laughs> do it. Anything else just showing off. And um, then the second episode was uh, David Mitchell as mm-hmm. a writer whose nan exploded. So, um, but yeah, they're sort of they're they're that sort of I don't know if you it's not the gentler end of black comedy, I suppose, but it's sort of yeah. Um, but I'm definitely going to be sticking with that. Um, let you know how that goes. And um, I've read uh, the otherwise, which is the script of a film written by Marky e. Smith from The Fall and Graham Duff, who wrote. Dr. Terrible's House of Horrible and Nebulous and Ideal and loads of stuff. And it's basically, they were in the process, well, they'd written this sort of weird horror script um, and were sort of looking to get it funded, but then Marky e. Smith died. So, and the four were at, are actually in the story. So, and yeah, it's all set around a lonely recording studio and there's satanic bikers um, but it's all like sort of just a very sort of Lancastrian uh, or Yorkshire sort of um, psychomania almost. But uh, yeah, and it's um, very, very strange, very interesting read. And it's also one of those ones where it's like, I'd really love to see this, but I can't see anyone actually funding it unless there's a really big fall fan out there. Yeah. But I reckon they could have done it crowdsourcing, like, um, you know, like online, uh, so on. But yeah, so that is, and that's my, uh, that's all the weather. Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, so I have started my uh, run up to Halloween viewing. Mm. Uh, so I've been watching an awful lot. But the things I did want to mention, uh, one, you can go onto YouTube and watch all of these. So it's the Saturday Night Live vincent price halloween specials oh wow Uh, sounds interesting they are fantastic so it's bill hader um plays vincent price uh and every year they do one and he has different guests um again they're set in the 60s in theory so they're kind of famous people of the time uh so kennedy turns up in one and stuff um but yeah, Kirsten Wig is always with him, playing a different person each time, and she just—I still think she's one of the funniest actors on TV at the moment. She just absolutely makes me cry. Um, so yeah, so go and check those out. They have got a Thanksgiving one as well and a Christmas one. So yeah, go, like I spent a good hour and a half, and then that just led me into going and watching loads of old SNL stuff. Um, yeah. So that's a great afternoon. So I definitely recommend that. Um, and in prep, well, not in prep, actually, because last night we watched uh, Ghost Stories. And then today, Jennifer said, we've not watched Dead Set, I don't think, since it aired, uh, which, again, was mm. Andy Nyman uh, was in yeah. that. So we watched all of that this afternoon in one sitting. And 
Was it Charlie uh, Brooker as well? It was Charlie Brooker wrote yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It, I remember just, you mentioning about this. It's amazing. It's on it's on Netflix, so you can all go and watch it. The whole thing so like, is it a dark dark comedy? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So it's basically it's a zombie outbreak takes place. Uh, and there are a group in the Big Brother house, so they don't know what's going on outside. Mm. And the main character is a runner on the show. So it's her trying to find the best place to hide and trying to find somewhere secure. And her boyfriend is halfway up the country and he's trying to get back to her because he's been carjacked by people trying to escape the zombie infestation. And it's <laughs> oh, it's just fantastic. Like Kevin Eldon's in it and... Davina McCall is in it, who I've only ever seen being a presenter, but she yeah. genuinely is fantastic, it, especially as a zombie. She's such a good mm. zombie. Uh, so, yeah, so go and check that out. It's on Netflix. It's like two hours and 20 minutes for the whole thing. And, yeah, yeah, and it's brilliant. just brilliant. It, and it's aged 2008. Oh, you know, I was thinking, oh, it must have been 2015 or 16 because it still feels really relevant and really mm. modern. Mm. But yeah, 13 years old, and it still looks absolutely incredible. So, uh, yeah, I check said, out I suppose, I suppose it's quite helpful that Big Brother hasn't, fundamentally hasn't changed. Mm. And it's always like that sort of artificial environment. Yeah. So it's, so you spend most of your time in an area that, I mean, I've no idea if Big Brother is still running. Um, oh, but, I don't you, know. but you know it never really altered the format would it be like right you lot are all the servants and you lot are all the north and that will cause you lot to have a row wouldn't it and we can film it um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah the, it, which the, is why it was it which is why it worked great to have a zombie outbreak because those zombie films as we've said before are always based more on the people than the zombies and mm -hmm. of course they always get people like Adam, I don't watch Big Brother either, but I'm always aware of it. And they seemed after the first couple to always pick people who were going to hate one another. So oh, definitely. Yeah, you so got to have, yeah, in, got to have the drama. Yeah. So putting them in a I'm, genuine, seriously dangerous situation mm. where it's life or death and they've all got very different views just worked phenomenally, really. Mm. Yeah, because I, I did watch the first series of it. Uh, because it was just like, it's a telly event, so I'm going to watch that. <laughs> and that was basically, yeah, it was just, we've got genuinely ordinary people in. Second mm. series, kind of the same, but you found a few more people annoying. And then by the third series, it was people who realised it was a springboard to a career. Yeah. So you had annoying people of that level, plus the, the programme makers had, like you say, Lee, got to that point where it's like, Right, uh, let's make sure that these people, you know, let's get two people in who are definitely going to have a fucking round. Mm. You know, I mean, some sometimes it backfired. I remember they did Celebrity Big Brother and they had uh, two of Jordan's exes in there and everyone was like, oh, that's going to kick off, that's going to do that. And it's like, are you telling me they are going to be anything other than quite laid back if they are exes <laughs> of Jordan? You know that they're going to be quite easy going. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, again, uh, Riz Ahmed, who we discussed uh, from when he was on Rogue One previously, I forgot that he was mm. in this because it was before he was famous, so I'd never put two and two yeah. together, really. Uh, he's fantastic in it. But Andy Nyman just 
steals the show yeah. as an absolute at times he's the biggest prick ever and then at other times i'm like yeah i'd kind of do what he's doing i think really like he's a bit slimy but ultimately he's very yeah they might have been bit and i don't know so i'm just going to lock this door and just leave them all to it i I won't spoil it for anyone but the but i will say the sequence with the bin because <laughs> yeah, Andy Nyman, Andy Nyman, and one of the losers from the Big Brother, like someone who's been evicted already on the Big Brother that is in the fictitious world, um, are stuck like stuck in the green room, aren't they? Yeah, uh, with rabid Davina McCall outside smashing on the door, and uh, yeah, it's just yeah, just some of the funniest fucking stuff I've seen. <laughs> It feels very much like Andy Nyman was kind of, it's one of those things where you feel like they pointed a camera at him and gave him a corpse and then said, right, here you go. 20 minutes, just, just riff on it. Cause so much of it felt kind of like it was in the moment. Um, yeah. And a few of his other scenes as well, which are, again, I don't want to give anything away, give any spoilers cause it's well worth watching, but yeah, it feels yeah. very much like, like he'd kind of written those lines. Maybe I don't know the details, but yeah really really good so I'm, I'm glad jennifer suddenly said that's something we could probably chuck on as we've got nothing on this afternoon that was a very good call mm. uh so that's it for what i've seen tomorrow uh just to give him a quick share again the white bus company who do uh horror on sea have been doing a film festival this weekend in south end uh, a lot of classic films uh there wasn't anything that really grabbed my attention and we were busy this morning we had a historical walk and stuff um but tomorrow they are showing parasite at the park inn which i've still never seen so i'll be going tomorrow to a screening by the white white bus company to watch that so yeah very excited i don't know how it was one of those films everyone was screaming about it and i kept meaning to watch it and then i think because everybody watched it in a very short period of time Mm. because of lockdown it then got forgotten very quickly. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that yet. And everyone loved it. So I shall report back on that next week. I did I did see also um, the guy who directed Host, uh, his name escapes me for the minute, um, has his new film is being released, uh, which is apparently all on a dash cam. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's literally all I've heard about it. I don't know, you know. Rob Savage? That's it, Rob Savage, yeah. Now, that may or may not Could. play into what we are covering on next week's episode. Mm. <gasps> Maybe. I'll tell you at the end. Everyone's a tease tonight. They are. <laughs> oh. Are you talking about my low-cut top? Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 sorry. Yeah. I'm on a different wavelength. So. I think, I think, I think it just counts as a jacket when it's low cut to the navel, Lee. Yes. So, but before we get into this evening's uh, main event, we did have a fantastic bit of correspondence from previous guest, Darnie. Uh, He's, he's listening to our episodes while he's jogging. So he's been catching up recently and he's just listened to our 28 days later episode. Mm-hmm. And he had a very interesting story that comes from that. So I'm going to hand over to Adam to read this. I got this message at like 11 o'clock at night and literally sat there howling with laughter and had to forward it. 
Um, and I checked with him and he said we can share this story on uh, on the podcast. So, Adam, I, would you like I, to? I don't want to suggest you're getting on in years, Lee, but according to the according to the message, this was actually quarter to eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, do you know what it was? He sent it a quarter to eight. And it's, it, it, you saw it. Like, no, yeah. now this is going to prove how old I am because <laughs> I do that old man thing of writing a paragraph and then pressing send. Whereas Darny, being a ute, does the thing of writing a sentence, send, write a sentence, send. So I was sitting eating dinner and my phone went bing, bing, bing. And I was like, <laughs> oh, for God. So I just put it on silent. And it wasn't until about 11 o'clock that night I suddenly went, oh shit, my phone's on silent. And I never found out who was messaging me. And I went and checked it. And that was when I saw it. So. So for anyone who uh, anyone who gets trapped in a coffin underground with their mobile, don't message Lee. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, I saw it. He clearly suffocated, so I didn't even bother. <sighs> but anyway, so here's Darnie's story. Um, I've got a fun 28 days later story for you. Uh, catching up slowly, obviously, with the episode. So Frank's flat is in Baltron Tower, which is where I grew up. My dad still had that flat when they were shooting the film. We got in the lift one day and Brendan Gleeson was in it with Megan Burns. My dad, thinking he's fucking brilliant, gets out, holds the door to the main entrance of the building open and says, on the daddy now, silly cunt thought he was Ray Winston. <laughs> My insides cringed. End of story. <laughs> That was too. I know 28 days later was a couple of episodes ago, but that was too good to not. (laughs) It's the kind of thing I do, and I think it's exactly I can see myself in his dad's position where you do it and think it's really funny, and then two days later, you suddenly go, Oh my god, he wasn't in that film, and that's it. I won't sleep for three days then, like just laying there being so embarrassed about it. (laughs) One of them ones that comes back on the deathbed, (laughs) oh. Are you in pain, Dad? No, I've just remembered the time I, I just thought Brendan Gleeson was Ray Winston. <laughs> so thanks very much for sending that, Darnie, and allowing us to share that story. It's a, yeah, fantastic. Uh, it's a classic. <laughs> um, yes, so on to this evening's main event, because I'm sure this one's going uh, to get us talking for a little while, so the quicker we get into it. Uh, so, as I say, Joseph Watson suggested this. Um, and he said, oh, I don't know if you've covered it. And um, when Adam suggested it, I was like, we must have covered it because it was such a great film and we were podcasting at the time. So we must yeah. have done it. What, what, what were we doing? Like, I think what? we all saw it at different times. Mm-hmm. So by the time we'd all seen it, it was, you know, well, between passed. myself and Adam seeing it, I think it was a few months difference. So we said, we said oh, we'll have mm. to add it to the list. But the list that we've been growing is ridiculous. Yeah. So we've just never quite gotten back to it. But I'm so glad we did. We still haven't covered the all of the 20-odd films we came up with for what we should do after the 100th episode. <laughs> and this is like 127 yeah. or something. So, yeah, the, yeah, the lists ever expand. We just call us groundskeeper Willie because we keep moving the goalposts. <laughs> But, but listeners, if you ever have anything like this where you're like, 
have you guys not covered this yet? Why have you never done? Yeah, please do message us and let us know. And if it's if there's a reason we haven't covered it, then you know, then we'll say so. But yeah, if, stuff like this. If anything, I'll blame you and Adam. You know. Yeah, we're shit. <laughs> that's, you, that's you, the best you answer. Can, you you can blame us, Chris, because you, yeah, you've yeah. <laughs> I feel I feel it's within my rights to blame you on this one. <laughs> Uh, and again, this is something that, so before the film, this was a stage show in the West End. Uh, and Adam, oh, no, that's interesting. Yeah. So Adam, I and Jennifer went and saw it when it first uh, came um, <gasps> Look what I found. For the benefits Ooh, of the tape, oh I'm holding up my still in its cellophane pack of three badges from Ghost Stories. Very nice. Wow. Yes. What, what does it say? What does it say? Uh, one says Ghost Stories. One says, what are you hiding from? Ooh. And one says, daddy's got meow meow. <laughs> I also bought a daddy's got meow meow t-shirt. And admittedly, it was extra large, but sometimes doesn't come up quite to the level that you want it to. But I'm quite happy to look like you know, a mentally challenged ping pong player. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I wore it once. My mum went, that's a drugs thing, isn't it? And I was like, no, no, it's in the context of the thing because it was when Meow Meow was the, oh, yeah. the, the, the drug of choice on the streets, yeah. according to the Daily Mail. But I think three, three people in the country had heard of it. It lasted for about three days, days, like, yeah. Yeah. But, but then it was the, what was killing children. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my mum went, that's a drugs thing, isn't it? And I was like, no, it's because in the play and they the cat food is called Meow Meow. And it's like, and uh, yeah, strangely enough, went in the wash, never saw it again. So <laughs> I can only assume she chucked out this drugs paraphernalia T-shirt before I, you know, was corrupted immortally. <laughs> now, did you get the badges in the T-shirt before or after having seen it? It was when we saw it. It was like but I was wondering if you got them on the way in. And no, like, what no. On earth no, is no. this all about? No, no, because we'd looked at the concession stand. Because mm. um, the reason I found those is I was looking for the program oh, when yeah. we when we saw it. Um, because one thing it had in there, and I'm really pissed off. I couldn't find it, but if I do, I'll put it on the Instagram or something like that. But um, both Jeremy Dyson and Andy Nyman had written their uh, like their top five recommended horror films. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Dead of Night was in there. The only other one I can remember was in there was Wreck. Session like the Spanish... 9. I remember Session, Session 9 being oh. in there as well. No, I haven't heard of any of those so far. We've got to find out what the last two are. <laughs> Session 9. How can they be their top five? And I've, Session, and Session 9 is on that list of 20. Ooh, yeah, it is. We just haven't <laughs> got around for it. I'll, I'll let you off then. Yeah. We certainly will get to it. Uh, and also, so when we saw it, so the, the three VHS... We saw it, oh, we saw it 2010. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. So, what? Well, oh, blimey. So, yeah, seven years before. The, yeah, the Lyric Theatre Hammersmith, we saw it in 2010, which was like, I think it's first London run. Yeah. Um, it was, it was and fantastic. Andy Nyman, yeah, Andy Nyman was playing uh, Professor Goodman. Um. Nicholas Burns, who's in this as the false psychic at the beginning, was Mike Priddle, the uh, role that goes to um, what is his fucking name? I've tried completely. Martin Freeman, thank you. Um, and uh, David Cardy was 
uh, Tony Matthews, the Paul Whitehouse character, and Ryan Gage was Simon Rifkins, which is Alex Lawther's uh, character, like the young Rift kind. Rifkind, <laughs> sorry, yes. But yeah, it was interesting. So the three vignettes were the same, but the wraparound story was different. Oh, which yeah, which made it interesting. It, it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam. I might have remembered this wrong, but it. Uh, so Andy Nyman came out as a professor of, um, uh, like of the, the paranormal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and basically said, yeah, most stories can be, you know, sort of explained away except for these three. Um, but he, he did like a long 20 minute thing at the beginning. It was really good and really funny. And they had a website that went along with it. That was a real website because we all went and Googled it afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was, it's, it was really good. But that was what I loved about this was it was the three stories. It worked fantastically, but it wasn't like, oh, I've seen all this before because mm. that whole end bit where it turns out he was a coma and all the rest of it, spoiler alert. Um, <gasps> Yeah, it was all no, but that's funny. See, so I saw this when it came out. I hadn't seen it again, and when we mm. kept getting the flash of, you keep seeing the hospital window, don't you? And I kept thinking, mm. yes, that's why do we keep seeing that? I know that's relevant, but I couldn't quite pick mm. why out of my memory. And then when it came to it, I was like, oh shit, yeah, now I remember. Oh, fantastic! So, Chris, mm. without further ado, where is Joseph going? Up or down from this one? Well, I'm sure you've both got your thoughts about this. I'm going to start with every action you've ever taken or didn't take has had an effect. Left a little trace, a ghost of itself. Me choosing that phrase, that sentence, what does that make you think that I thought? I'm guessing that you embraced this film, Chris. (laughs) Yeah, I'd like be surprised if you if you didn't like this. Probably honest. say of anything given the title Ghost Stories, this could be right up the top of, of what I would like in a film to Ooh. do with ghost stories. Probably. Mm-hmm. It's got everything done so well. You don't know for sure where it's going. And for me, the ending was I mean, it's something I've thought about enough, you know, like the idea of the state of mind you could be in levels of consciousness Mm. when you're in a coma, the, the way that, and as I mentioned earlier, in fact, about uh, listening to Vampire Lestat, when you're, you know, half asleep, the way what's happening in the real world can, you know, be woven into your consciousness and create Mm. this crazy story that, so yeah, watching that, it's like, yeah, that absolutely could happen. And I, I just loved the way that ended. Um, but it, oh, as well, like the, the acting was fantastic. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, I, I think the, like really at first, um, Paul Whitehouse, I don't think I've seen him play a serious character like that. He is so fucking good in this. Yeah. I mean, everyone is. They, they are, they are, yeah. yeah. But I think but, that was the shocker because mm. it's like, I've only ever seen him playing, you know, in, in his comedies. And it's like, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a powerful, you know, it's very believable. Um, I didn't realise at first Philip Goodman was Andy Nyman till I checked because I was like, "Oh right, yeah. is this?" I, I mean, I don't know if I if you'd perhaps mentioned it, but um, and I've never seen him before playing in anything. Um, yeah, like so, just everything about it, I was like, "Yeah, this is gripping me." Um, uh, yeah, and I loved it. Fantastic. I mean, that I was I was watching. I was watching it back with the commentary, which I hadn't done before, mm. uh, because I just thought it's Jeremy Dyson 
Uh, I mean, that's that's what we've. I mean, so, fuck me. We've, we've said we've sported it and we told people the ending. So at this point, <laughs> I think it's a bit bad that we're backtracking. We assume that you know things, but obviously written and directed by Andy Nyman and Jeremy Dyson from their stage play. Um, but yeah, now, now said, I don't know. So who, like Jeremy Dyson, I don't really know. Have I seen Jeremy, him in anything? You wouldn't have seen. You might have seen him in the background. So actually, mm, he's in okay. the background of this. He oh, right. is. The, he's the DJ at the bar mitzvah in the uh, opening. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even the, spot that. The, yeah, looking looking a bit like Julian Barrett, but <laughs> but of a, a an acceptable height, not a terrifying height. <laughs> um, but yeah. So and he is the fourth member of the League of Gentlemen. And basically, uh, he made the decision that he didn't want to perform. He's like he says, he's not an actor. He, okay. he, you know, he basically, and also, I mean, the league. I suppose there is that thing. I mean, they're all good actors, so I suppose that if you didn't feel up to snuff, if you're standing next to like Steve Pemberton and mm. Reese and Mark Gatiss and you you would be like no I think I'll leave it to you guys yeah but he but he then took on much more like a sort of production role and a directing mm. role and things like that with it with it as a live show um, but he basically the league is two groups of writers and so Steve Pemberton and Rhys Shearsmith write together and Jeremy Dyson writes with Mark Gatiss mm. so and even I mean this is the extent to which he does not appear on film. In the League of Gentlemen movie, which has the League of Gentlemen playing themselves, he is played by Michael Sheen. <laughs> which, which again, is in itself, I love because Michael Sheen only plays werewolves <laughs> and real people who exist. That's the, that is his two roles, basically. So, um, so yeah, but so Jeremy Dyson sort of, but he he's written, uh, he's written like he's written a lot of books. Um, he wrote and produced a miniseries called Funland, um, but he also wrote and directed three series of Psycho Bitches. Now, Psycho Bitches is, is one of those things that I really wish I could fucking get hold of. It's not on DVD. Um, I think the first series is available on it to purchase on Amazon, but series two and three aren't there. And basically, the concept of Psycho Bitches was famous women through history going to their psychiatrist mm. and so you've got and actually jeremy dyson turned up in it i believe as the mother of jesus at one point um just doing a full-blown peter cook and dudley moore mother sort of type <laughs> thing. he's out there and he's performing miracles isn't he but um yeah so and psycho bitches um is genuinely one of the best fucking series I've ever seen and I reckon if you can find it watch it and then get me a copy of it because I want to watch it again because it mm. used to be it's one of the finest fucking things I've ever seen and it was you got loads of different comedy actresses on there like Julia Davis and um, um, Michelle Gomez Francis Barber and also and um, yeah so he did three series of that but he's also written Short story collections. There's never trust a rabbit, which I've read, and it is fucking brilliant. That is. 
borrow that from you, I believe. Is that I short think, stories? yeah, you must, yeah, you must have yes, done. I yeah, did. The yeah, stories, yeah, wonderful book. So, yeah, and again, it's that sort of thing where it's like a, one one of the stories in there is a, a like a, a debunker who is then confronted with the genuine supernatural event or someone with apparently magical powers. So it kind of again feeds in as a, a thing as part of this, I suppose. There was another one in there, correct me if I'm wrong. It was a basically it was an art teacher and he had a student who he really hated, who was terrible, but one day did a really beautiful painting of a window with a storm going on outside. And then at the end of the story, spoiler of it, um, the teacher I think he like ends up with a prostitute and she stabs him and as he's laying there bleeding out and he looks up, he sees that that is what this kid had painted all those years ago. And he gave it a terrible mark because although it was an amazing painting, he hated the kid. So he was like, yeah, no, Dean, yeah. it's rubbish. And yeah, and I'm sure that was in that book as well. I was trying to remember where I'd read it and I couldn't, but now yeah. you mentioned it, I'm sure it was in there. Yeah, it's, it's that def- I think that is one of the stories in there. And again, it kind of feeds into the ghost stories thing where it's like the guilt playing out in your final mm. moments mm. or in your repose and stuff mm. like that. Um, he also wrote uh, The Cranes That Build Cranes and The Haunted Book. He's written one novel called What Happens Now, an academic study that I really want to get my fucking hands on called Bright Darkness, The Lost Art of the Supernatural Horror Film, Ooh. which was, I think that was published mid-90s when basic, I think basically it was one of those things where the book was written and then J-horror exploded and then you got so many more like supernatural things happening, like good supernatural things mm-hmm. happening in horror. Um, he wrote uh, the SX Files to Basildon and Beyond with Mark Gatiss, which is like a spoof X Files book in the late nineties. And he's currently writing with Andy Nyman a series of books, the first of which is called The Warlock Effect, and that's due to come out. Oh, really? so interesting. So, so yeah, so I mean, and he, so he's obviously a co-writer, co-director on this with Andy Nyman. Andy Nyman does kind of, he says, I think Andy Nyman, I heard an interview where he said, I basically, if you ask me, I'm an actor, hmm. but he also writes, directs, um, is Darren Brown's fucking engineer. So, so that's so, that's what really stood out to me. I mean, I think you probably mentioned it when you mentioned this before. Yeah, I mean, that, that's intriguing, did, yeah. isn't it? Because, you know, I mean, obviously, no Darren Brown. And to think that, yeah, someone who works with him to create his, you know, masterpieces of magic and psychology is uh, yeah, very impressive. Well, I mean, part of that, because, again, this sort of feeds back to the play, because the interesting thing with mm. the play was, is as they they kind of, weirdly enough, the play is... The, the, the sort of horror stories are kind of cliche mm. in or certainly the the sort of settings do you know what i mean it's like uh, the, the, the... A, a, a lonely home yeah a deserted, yeah a deserted building mm. uh the woods at night mm. and what they said was is that basically this the thing they wanted to do with the play was prove that they could shit you up in the theater yeah, because it was kind okay. of like it was like yeah, you can make these horror films and you put in jump scares and you put mm. in you know you can edit and flash a face up and do all kinds of things, but if we can scare you live mm. and make you jump and you know and they did 
They did. Yeah, they fucking do. Yeah. yeah. It was so fucking good. But this all comes from, this kind of all comes from his magic background. Mm. So a lot of the stuff that he did with Darren Brown sort of fed into that. And similarly, in the film, that there's no, um, there's no digital effects. There's, there's obvious stuff like you know the actual look of like the like uh, Martin Freeman's wife. Hmm. You know that's obviously yeah. a CGI enhanced yeah. thing and everything mm. else like that. But all the stuff like. All the bottles piling themselves up on the bit on the thing. Yeah, that's looks, a gin- yeah. I was going to say you could see that actually, like you say, you can see the difference between a practical effects and CGI, mm. and it just made it look so much more sinister because it's yeah. as good as CGI is now, and it is incredible compared to what it used to be. You can still see that it's like a looks like a computer mm. game, whereas that is it. You know, just look like the movement of every block and everything was just. And it just makes it so much more creepy. Yeah. And I think, well, they said the one thing it does as well is it gives the actor something to react to. Mm. So rather than saying stare at that point, yeah. because there'll be an effect happening. It's like, shit. It's actually happened. Yeah. You, you react in time with it. So you mm. kind of, you are in the moment, you are in the room in so on and so forth. So, yeah. So the majority of the effects in it are practical ones that from sort of you know their magic tricks essentially and stuff like that mm. and the the ghosts in the bed that's very mm. um whistle and i'll come to you that was literally four fishing wires and a fan no under a blanket and they were like they said that they were just like that is when they like the effects guys did it they were like wow we expected this to be reasonable but this is actually, you know, genuinely creepy and we mm. know what it is and what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, 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 just, mm. I know we've discussed it before, but just the cast on this um, mm. was just mm. oh, yeah. so good. So like Samuel Bottomley, who played um, uh, Goodman when he was younger, he, I can't believe they, I'd, I'd never have put the two together, but when you see them side by side, you know, mm. yeah, he... Just, really, just like yeah. a young yeah. version of it. it's really really good um he really does yeah uh, uh interesting enough his son is an actor now oh, is andy nyman's son is an actor now yeah so but i think i think he's in the bar mitzvah but i think he was just a bit too young to actually play goodman as like yeah. a 13 year old or whatever. did you spot the utopia connection there lou yes i did because <laughs> so when he turned up jennifer went We've seen him recently. And I went, <laughs> it's Grant from Utopia. And she went, yeah. oh, my God. And that's the thing. Even in Utopia, so from season one to season two, obviously they've all aged a year or two. But because he's 10 years old, going yeah. from 10 to 11 or 12, he looks so much older. And again, with this, it's, you know, it's a couple of years, but he yeah. suddenly looks like a teenager and not a, a child. But yeah, he, yeah, he's fantastic in this. Really, really good. Well, I mean that. I mean that bully sequence mm-hmm. is. That's the weird thing with this is that there's there are all the jump scares, but the really horrible bits are like the bully sequence, the 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 bit right at the start with Nicholas Burns doing the psychic. That was horrible. Mm-hmm. Watching that woman's that, like, reaction. That's almost, 
that's almost unbearable to watch. Yeah. You know, the, with the and and it's all you know, it's just very good actors, but you are sort of like, oh, this is mm. just horrible. Oh, and, and and the that, one that the one that always gets me is Martin Freeman. I like Martin Freeman. I think mm. he's a great actor in Sherlock, and I've, I've got a lot of time for him as an actor. But the big surprise in this, when you suddenly find out who his other character is, I just, even this time knowing it, looking at him, and I just mm. couldn't see it. I couldn't see him through that makeup. And then when he rips it off, I was just like, oh, my shit, he does such a good job in this. Mm. Well, I, th- I, think I've, I think I've mentioned this. Certainly, I think I've mentioned this to you, Lee. When I finally got round to, to watching this, because, yeah, like I think it was like a couple of months after it came out that I finally got it and watched it. Because it, I think also there was an element of, like, I've seen the play. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, it's just going to be, how, yeah. you know, the play. Because, that again, that's the weird thing, is if you just did the play straight onto screen, it would just be jump scares and stuff like that. They didn't really mm. have... Because you had, you did have all those sort of bits in there, but it, like you say, it was presented as a lecture. Whereas did you have presented- like any sense that watching the film would have possibly taken away from the effect of the play? May have, oh. that may have it, been in the back. Of you my didn't mind. think because I just wonder. Like I could imagine if they'd done a really good job on the play, and that's almost a bit unexpected that they could do that. You might think, mm. oh, you know, the film is just going to be a bit more normal, not really. Effective, yeah, but... certainly. Say, because the, I know the play's done another run fairly oh, right. recently. Mm. Um, yeah. So I'd say to anyone who enjoyed this film, mm. definitely go and see it as a That's play. Still, definitely worth going to. Yeah, it, you it, get a different experience. Yeah, yeah. okay. And, and and again, seeing the way that they do this, you know, like uh, the Paul Whitehouse story that we, you know, in mm. the warehouse, like seeing that done on a stage with one actor and just set changes. Yeah, the way yeah. they yeah. do it is. Absolutely, and it's all done kind of in front of your eyes. Yeah, yeah. They use lighting amazing. to take your mm. eye away from what's going on on the on the. I won't say I won't give it Smoke away. And mirrors, but yeah, because it's so it dark, is. it allows yeah. them to change the sets. Mm. So the lights come up. You're looking at it. The lights go down, and it's just him walking around with a torch. <laughs> lights come up again. It's a totally different set. There's no noise. Mm. No, it's just absolutely mm. incredible. And it has to be said, the um, like that, yeah, just that whole thing was, and well, each of them had that proper effect where you were like, oh, you, you genuinely were unnerved by something that was live in front of you, yeah. Mm. And you know, and it is that I mean, a lot of it was, I think they said the motivation for doing the show was kind of, you don't think we can scare you in the theater anymore, fuck you. And yeah. that certainly that was Andy Nyman's uh, yeah. quote. I think was uh, you don't think he's gay? Fuck you! And it was um, daylight on a Saturday afternoon, yeah. and we still came out being a little, like, oh, that was a bit creepy. I wonder, um, <laughs> like, because I know you said the the actual ghost story situations were perhaps cliched, but the human element of each of those stories was so powerful. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like it really, you just like. Oh, this story is yeah. Like I feel well, for you, you know. Well, because like like you say, because the way they did it as a play, it was a bit like a lecture, and they would he mm. would just literally lead into the story. So you didn't have those sequences where he goes and meets them and interviews them. Yeah. Okay. And so you didn't get so. I mean, all of them 
all of those takes. I mean, Claire watched it with me. Claire said that it was... Well done, Claire. That was a terrifying movie. So good job for sitting through that. I've got to say, of the stuff we've covered, that is definitely one mm. of the scariest films of the last decade, without a doubt, I think. Yeah, and I think Claire was like, she said, definitely this was the scariest one that we've watched, probably. Yeah. And, but there's sort of like, you know, there is, when he's, so yeah, so when he like goes and interviews Paul Whitehouse, Paul Whitehouse is very, it starts off quite Paul Whitehouse. Mm. Mm. I'm a little bit, whoa, a little bit, why? (laughs) But there's that sort of sadness in there as well. And that, you know, it's, it's a, it's, guarded aggression mm. and sort of, you know everyone feels right so yeah, yeah. like Martin my, my Freeman like jet, like sort of well yes that happened and well it's you know, yeah. just the way, the way they're all defensive about it yeah you know but in their way that's that but is you broken. can imagine it yeah yeah absolutely yeah. but they're just trying to hold that back yeah and mm. the one doing the worst job is uh, uh, well uh, Alex Lawford he is so good. Yeah. Claire said that that was like genuinely uncomfortable, like watching, like just someone being interviewed. It wasn't an actor performing. That just felt like, like seeing a troubled young man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is. Uh, oh, and apparently Jeremy Dyson did actually drive around, like told his parents that he passed his test because mm, he was today. afraid to tell him. <laughs> And drove around, and then one day got pulled over by the police. <gasps> At least he didn't kill a yeah. He didn't kill a he didn't demonic. Kill a, yeah, he did <laughs> That's an upside. Yeah, yeah it's think, funny uh, him driving around in that old Jag because mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Even Jennifer went. Do you think he just took the film budget and went? I need a car. I think I'm going to go and rent an old sixties Jag and drive around in it. Why? <laughs> Fuck you! It's my budget. I do my life. <laughs> well, on the commentary, they did mention that they bought the caravan that is <laughs> Crowther's character. Like they bought the caravan, and they said we bought it off two farmers for eighty quid. And we walked in there, and we just went, "Fuck me! How many people have been murdered in this?" <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> but yeah, I, and that just. Yeah, uh, the that's the thing. Sorry, with Martin Freeman. Yeah, that that was my gist, and I went completely off kilter there. <laughs> so when I watched it, I remember sitting there and I was watching it. I was enjoying it, genuinely creeping me out. You know, it was like well done and everything. But the one thing I had was by the time Martin Freeman had turned up, I think it was like Paul Whitehouse blew me away. Alex Lawther, I don't think I'd seen the Black Mirror he's in. Mm. Because he's in Shut Up and Dance, the one where he's like blackmailed into going and committing crimes with. That's right. Um, uh, I thought I'd seen him uh, somewhere. But, but what's funny is this had this had a feeling of Black Mirror. I mean, I don't know if it's because I because he was I recognised him perhaps without realising it, but it felt like we're watching ghost stories and it's supernatural potentially. Mm. But it felt like there's some something else being threaded through this. Mm. I think the way Philip Goodman. You can tell there's something that's that's happening yeah. to him that is unfolding, and and, and so yeah, and the, like a reflection happening, you know, mm. where it's like he's mm. he's having to learn something from each of these experiences, um, and obviously at the end it completely makes sense. But yeah, yeah, and and, uh, and so you said he did dead set with 
um, Charlie Brooker. So I guess yeah. there's a little bit of you know, some, yeah, some connection. They were probably were fascinated I, I, by the idea of you know the human condition. I would be surprised if there wasn't a lot of cast crossover, like a mm. crew crossover rather. Yeah, with, with sort of Black Mirror because obviously they're both British productions. They're both from roughly yeah. around the same time, um, and everyone sort of it, you you sort of tend to stick with people you know or you you know if you've got mutual acquaintances then you sort of Mm. sort of gels together and um but yeah so i watched it and it by the time like i say paul white has blew me blew me away fucking alex Lawther did and then i got to marty freeman's bit and i was like and i'm sitting there watching it and at the start i'd been like i fucking know that bloke i really fucking (laughs) recognize that scottish guy and when he was in the caravan, I was like, yeah, he's wearing prosthetics, but that's because he appeared younger yeah, on an earlier bit. So maybe he's a younger actor and they've done him up old and then he's going to revert or whatever like that. But anyway, so, <laughs> and then by the time Martin Freeman turned up, I was like, do you know what? Martin Freeman's a wank actor. <laughs> you know, I was like, no, seriously, I, was, I think it was just Sherlock had gone off the boil at this point. He was doing crappy adverts for like oh, Vodafone or something. I quite liked him in The Hobbit. I hadn't seen The Hobbit. Oh, but I was, and yeah. And he, so, he had he had got very big kind of. Yeah. And, may, and he, maybe I could see if might have felt a bit like, oh, you know, we're seeing him again. Mm. Your well, resentment, see, uh, the fact that he did Hitchhikers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that, that a role that should have only gone to fucking David Mitchell. Mm. Now, if they'd have mm. made that, David Mitchell playing Arthur Dent is the mm. spot on version of it. Yep. Yeah. He would have the right level of uptight. I don't yeah. think Martin Freeman was I don't <laughs> think Martin see it's controversial. I don't think Martin Freeman was right for Arthur Dent, but I thought that um uh Mosdef was fucking great as full prefect. Oh yeah, definitely. The right because there is that thing with hitchhikers where it's like all the aliens are from America and Arthur's from Britain. That's literally yeah. how it all plays <laughs> out, you know. But um but that's beside the point. So I'm sitting there going, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's always the same sort of thing. And he's blah, 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 blah. And it got to the end. And I was like, right, thanks, Martin. You've just made me look a cunt, haven't you? And I will apologise <laughs> to you now, live on the internet, because fuck me, did he, he fooled me. You know, yeah. and, and like properly fooled me. And, it, and I think I even recounted this story to Claire like yonks ago. But again fooled her when we were watching it she, you know and again it's that sort of thing where you're like oh it's obviously they're made up but this is a ghost story thing you know is there going to be someone you know someone changes or whatever like that absolutely no idea it was Martin Freeman and at that point it was like and watching it now I'm like yeah no you're talking out your arsehole mate I think you're just doing <laughs> it I think I was just in a bad mood you know maybe it's a dog that looked like Martin Freeman pissed up my leg that day. Maybe that's, <laughs> you know, just, some, just something. Yeah. I think that's the thing. I think his character, I think he is one of those actors who people, a bit like a, a Samuel L. Jackson type, who it, you see him very rarely do something very different, but he can do it incredibly. Mm. But everyone brings him in to do, the, no, no, just be you in this role. And I feel that Do Martin, from the office. Yeah, do exactly. From the office. Do that. Yeah. Exactly. But then when he then steps outside of that, that's when you suddenly go, oh, God, like he really can lay it on thick and be really convincing. But nine Mm. times out of 10, it seems as if the director 
that isn't what they want out of them. You know, like, it, you know, like I say, with, you know, if you hire Al Pacino, you want Al Pacino to come in and be Al Pacino. Mm. You don't want him yeah. to suddenly embody another character. You've picked him because you want him to do that. And yeah, I wonder it's why Brian Glister doesn't get subtle anymore. Doesn't yeah. get subtle <laughs> roles. Why, why would you? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Paul Whitehouse, I know we have, uh, you know, fawned over him a little bit so far, but it, it's, it's that one bit that got me that literally sent chills up my spine. As you say, like, he's just being a bit of a cockney and a bit of a lad, and he just kind of, it's the first thing I've seen him doing really outside of comedy. Mm. And he, as you say, he does just play that sort of wide boy cockney character. But it's just mm. that line when he says, oh, yeah, a few of the guys had left in the few in days running up to this because they said they'd seen stuff. And then mm. uh, Andy Nyman says to him, did you believe it? And he just goes white and goes, I really wish I had. Like It was mm. just so yeah. convincing the way it came over. As you say, it's all that bravado literally just falls away in a second and it's just stunning to watch amazing that's, that that i I, lo- I even like his relationship with marrick who incidentally yeah, has yeah. Nyman, uh, <laughs> most of the voices in this are either jeremy dyson or andy <laughs> nyman uh, oh and Darren brown is an is the old dear who rings in oh, really? on the radio show where, mm. where, where Paul Whitehouse is sitting there going, yeah, but did you really old cow? You know, <laughs> so that's Darren, that's Darren Brown. Um, but he, I, I, I love the facts like where it sort of starts off and it's just like, yeah, you prick. Yeah. And then as it gets, but he's still quite nice to him. Whereas mm. like, I don't like, I don't like it here, Tony. And it's like, well, it's all right, just, mate. You just sit, yeah. sit your time out and do that and everything. I love the roll ups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is such a brilliant idea. Where it's like, right, if I to get you to do your yeah, work, to get to the end, you've got a little yeah. little reward, you've got a little, reward. There, a little treat. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll leave me roll ups there. So, and then, but but again, he's still he's quite he becomes more nice to him, especially when he's like, mm. there, thank you, because he says thank you, Tony, and he's like, well, you're all right, mate. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, and that sort of all drops. But also just the when he has to sort of. Uh, like tough up where it's well, oh, I'm coming out there, and you can hit you can hear the fear, yeah. In the well, I'm coming out there, and you're gonna be fucking sorry if you. <laughs> and when it's Marrick, is that you messing about? <laughs> and all this, and but again, this was something that came up on the commentaries. They said that what the, what they were doing was because their whole take was amicus, this is what we want to do. Mm. So we've covered yet another. Yeah. Fucking amazing anthology yeah. um, film. You know, they are the ones. Mm. They are the ones. Um, and they said they were thinking like Amicus and everything else like that. And they said, right, we need someone who could do like comedic as well as sort of um, serious. If we were making this in the period when Amicus made films, who would that be? And apparently they both went, was Ronnie Barker? Yeah. And they were like, you know, Ronnie Barker in Porridge was mm. how they described it, where he's like Fletch. And it's like, yeah, no, actually, I can see. I yeah. And then they were just like, so we just thought, well, who would that be now? <laughs> and we thought Paul Whitehouse, and we were convinced that no, they he wouldn't do it. But apparently he was like, well, I didn't get offered anything. Yeah. You know. And although Paul Whitehouse is um, 
Johnny Depp has said on a number of occasions that Paul Whitehouse is the greatest actor alive today. Really? Yeah. He <laughs> Johnny Depp is obsessed with the fucking far show. <laughs> and his voice, when he his Ichabod Crane voice is apparently based on him doing Swiss Tony. You know, Paul. That's what I remember you saying that. Yeah, washing a car's like making love to a beautiful woman. So, but yeah, he's like just he really sort of obsessed over Paul. And it's interesting, Paul Whitehouse has turned has turned up in a few, like quite a few sort of Tim Burton related stuff. Because I I didn't realise he's one of the voice, he's the March Hare in the Alice in Wonderland films, and he's in the Corpse Bride. Um, so yeah, he sort of it obviously has uh, rubbed off. Now, the far show in the apparently in America is called Brilliant, <laughs> presumably after <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> mum's brilliant. They just look after you, and then they're done. And <laughs> um, and it, also, if you've not watched it, have you seen Paul Whitehouse, uh, uh, Mortimer and Whitehouse gone fishing? I have watched all three series, I think, up to date. There's a, there's a new new series has started. So yes, like I, a couple of episodes in. Yeah, I think I, I've watched the first episode of the new one. But yeah, I watched all of the previous series over the space of about a week in lockdown. Oh, and mm. it's just such a lovely watch. It's just two older guys. Just and the thing is, like, I, I've got no interest in fishing. I, my dad's a big fisherman. No. But I've been maybe twenty times in my life. Um, but it's just watching those two and their relationship while they're just on a day yeah. out relaxing and fannying about. It's just such a lovely thing to watch. Oh, it is. I mean, it's an amazing show. But also you get to see how much of Paul Whitehouse is Paul Whitehouse. Yeah. Mm. You know. But, I mean, I was when I was sort of, when I was thinking about this, I did think that I possibly think that all of our reactions to similar circumstances would play out. You know, I think, Lee, I think you would be Paul Whitehouse because I think you would be clearly disturbed by it, but possibly leading to what you would see as a change or something like that. I think Chris would just be overanalyzing the thing that he couldn't understand. and uh, So I think you'd be very much like uh, Alex Lawther. And by default, I'm Martin Freeman because I think <laughs> it would just be a lot of... No, I just think it would be a lot of, yeah, well, no, carry on like that, and then blow your fucking brains out. So, <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, that, and the, so, yeah, so that's quite, a, a, I tell you what, fingers in the mouth. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Finger so, mouth. Don't like yeah. it. Don't like it, Mum. No, no, not at all. It's horrible. Finger mouth. <laughs> especially when now here's my theory that I got watching it the other day is obviously you see at the end where um, like Paul Whitehouse is the cleaner and mm. um, I, I was, I was just going to say quickly right? Alex Lord is the junior doctor you and stuff like that could potentially hate it because it's all a dream but this is the best. It's just a dream. It's done so ever. well. It's, so. it's done so well. And I was actually questioning, if I hadn't seen the play, would I have marked it down on that? Because mm. I know that they've had to put that in 
to make this a cinema experience and change and make the story in a different way. That's it. So you got to be careful now because you mustn't spoil the play. I don't want to. Sp- no, I don't oh. want to spoil the play, and I, I would leave out anything. But I know that that doesn't. Basically, I don't think that's spoiling anything by saying that no, it doesn't. It doesn't. That. Yeah, it could still be quite a lot of potential. Yeah, but but it's if you think about it in this way, so everyone sort of comes in in an odd sequence. They don't come in in the sequence that you see in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You obviously get you obviously get the bit where Martin Freeman impersonates his old Scottish yeah um, like teacher, mm. um, and does the length of the film occur within Philip Goodman's mind in that like three minutes, and then that happens every three minutes? Oh God, yeah, that's a horrible thought. Also. The because obviously you got the mouth, uh, the finger goes in the mouth with Paul Whitehouse, and then at the end, Kojak puts his fingers into Andy Nyman's mouth, yeah, and then he's just laying on the bed with him with his hand in his mouth, mm. and then it cuts, and you realize it's because of it's the, the tube, the tube going yeah. down his throat. So, is Andy Nyman just forever trapped thinking that Kojak has got it's two got fingers, his fingers. His yeah, throat. yeah, and it, mm. is, yeah. Actually, you say that was the other thing with this that really, really shocked me. Um, there's, a awful, there's an awful lot that happens in this. You've got your three vignettes. There's a fairly large wraparound story. Mm. Um, when I looked at it, uh, so I think it was like Thursday, we said, all right, should, should we stick it on tonight and watch half tonight and half tomorrow or whatever, and we'll see how we get on. Um, and I said, oh, yeah, because... So much happens. It's got to be way over two hours, this movie. <laughs> and when I looked at it and I was like, an hour 30? There's no way it's an hour 36 mm. or an hour 38. Mm. They just get... They and that's fit the, a lot without it feeling rushed. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's And that's what I love about it. It just plays out at yeah. its own pace. As you say, none of it feels padded, but none of it feels rushed. It feels mm. exactly like it should be. But when you look back at it, there's so much they cram into that time. Mm. Uh, yeah and keep the tension up literally from beginning to end there's no there's no i'll just pause it here and go to the toilet or pause it here and go make a cup of tea the tension Mm. is there from scene one right until the credits come up there's no let up at all it's fantastically made fantastically i think and so i think the wood sequence i think is so good in I mean the, the previous bit where it's just leading up to that story and he's gone to the house I just love all the houses in this look yeah like, yeah you know I mean it's like the the really sort of big glass door with the letterbox right at the bottom yeah of Philip Goodman's house it does all and, feel real like, yeah that's exactly as you imagine it could be mm. Every, uh, well, apparently the the you know where it's um, oh I can't think what Martin Freeman's uh, Cameron that's it uh, when he's Cameron and it's the show that he did in the seventies hmm. apparently that was a flat that just looks like that they said they didn't have to dress it at all it's just they <laughs> hadn't redecorated in all that time and preserved it so yeah so that was literally just they found somewhere and could <laughs> go and film that sequence. But yeah, everything is so 
again, it's the sort of thing you'd expect. It's much like like look around you where everything mm. looks so right and authentic. Like all the home video stuff looks right. Yeah. And, you know, it's... But, yeah, the, the sequence in the woods, which, again, is one of those ones where that you really don't expect to work on stage and really did. Mm. And it really works here. But the just... That is possibly my favourite in terms of just the concept because I just think it's such an unusual, it's an unusual thing where it's like, right, so what happened? Well, I hit Satan or Pan. I ran the devil over in the car that I shouldn't have been driving because I didn't have a license and then it broke down and I couldn't get, like, oh, it's just things on I was involved in a hit and run with a satyr and it's like, (laughs) yeah. And but he's also obviously just, a very nervous character right from the off. So for these mm. things to be happening to him, like you can yeah. you, you can put yourself in that obviously not running over the, the phone, but you can put yourself in that position almost where you're like, oh, I, I haven't passed, but I've got a and then something goes wrong with the car, and then you're just mm-hmm. like, Well, what do I do now? Like I'm just yeah, and then when do I come clean? Like just the whole tension of that and his character sort of mm. dealing with it is just it, it's fantastically acted but it mm. does it puts the hairs up on the back of your neck because it's such an uncomfortable position with and then the horror starts that's before the you know before anything's yeah. even happened it's just an uncomfortable situation which is you know really well constructed in a really short period of time which again is it sort of harks back to proper ghost stories in that sense is because even like the because, like you say, it always starts. It starts from a position of unease anyway, mm. before anything supernatural happens. Probably only for White House is one is where it's immediately supernatural. Whereas with that, you're mm. in that fucking weird situation anyway, and it's like you're nervous and shit. And you and similarly, like Martin Freeman's just walking around the house waiting to hear on news about his pregnant wife, mm. and it's like you're already in sort of horrible territory or you're in uneasy sort of areas and then something happens that really tips that scale mm. but i just love this the, the just the yeah it's just <laughs> it's his response fuck that <laughs> again i i know that guy he did uh, the tv show uh, the end of the fucking world as well um, where he plays the same sort of character. Uh, I watched the first series, and I think the second series came out, and I penciled it down to follow it up, and I never got around to it. But I definitely would because it's it's a great show. Uh, yeah, and he plays a very similar character in that, who's kind of he fancies a girl at school and is then coerced into running away with her, and the situation gets more and more untenable for him to ever go home. Uh, yeah, and it, it's just, it's really, really good. So if you get a chance, watch that as well. The um, and apparently the the creature, um, the or the the not the tree creature, but the creature creature, um, they call him, they refer to him as Wooly, <laughs> like on set and everything. But the guy who plays uh, the guy who plays him is a guy called Paul Warren. Um, who is basically does just creatures all the time. 
so he's a background alien in Maz's castle in The Force Awakens. He's a marauder in For the Dark World. And, I mean, alien in Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, that's going to be hard to pick, isn't it? Um, <laughs> pitchfork peasant in Lesbian Vampire Killers. Uh, he's in Children of Men. But he's he was in... He's the ghost in the Tractate Mid-Off, the Mark Gates' Tractate Mid-Off. Oh, say, oh, that's uh, another thing. Uh, sorry, not to derail mm. anything. But no, yeah, no, no, so, no. So Tractate Mid-Off obviously was absolutely unbelievable, one of the best ghost stories for Christmas. And this year, Mark Gates again is doing another M.R. Jones one, uh, and he's doing... Oh, bollocks. It's one of my favourite M.R. Jones stories, and I can't oh, remember it's not, what bloody not, called. Not the... Um... I'm not taking a piss. Um, No. The Miser Tent. That's it. Yes. Yeah. So I can't wait for that this Christmas. Between that Mm. and the Muppets Haunted House, uh, this is going to be a great few months, I think. Well, there's also, there is also a, um, this may uh, come up on, uh, who knows what's happening over at Moss Isaac Happy Hour. We wouldn't know. Um, But there is a Halloween... Star Wars Lego Ooh. Tales from Darth Vader's Castle Yeah, yeah. So we're going to have to cover that Yeah Bloody Nora yeah, I'll, so, be, I'll definitely join you for that one I think Brilliant Yeah so we'll have a, we'll definitely have a Moss Eisley uh, Halloween special for that one because mm. uh, yeah I, I'm hoping that that would lead into them like the people who do the Mandalorian just doing a Star Wars ghosts like <gasps> anthology, yeah, you, you can wish, can't you? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is the zombie stormtrooper, but is it death? Yeah, troopers? death troopers. Or I've got it in the loft. Chris bought it for me. Mm. I think I read like a third of it, but this was back when I was a terrible reader, uh, mm. and it'd take me like six months to get through a book. And most of the time, I'd read it for a couple of months, then I'd have a month off, then I'd forget where I was and what was going on, and I'd never go back to it. But um, but now I'm I, I'm furloughed and I'm smashing through a book every few days. I might have to go and dig <laughs> that back out and give it another go. I think. Go for it. That well, then you can bring it up on what have you? Mm. What have you started? What have you Star Wars? Yeah. Have you done your lazy fucker since the last episode? That section. On yeah. Mos what, what have you done? Yeah. Have you done your homework? <laughs> Where's your anthology, Lee? Come on. <laughs> is it ghost stories or is it Doctor Terror's House of Horrors? <laughs> Uh, for the um, listeners, we used to, Adam and I were at school together. Um, I never did a piece of homework in the entire time I spent in the five years at school. And the only person who ever called me out on it was always my English teacher. And it was yeah. always, where's your anthology? Always in a really strange accent. <laughs> wonder where she is now. Probably she said I'd never school. amount to nothing. And she was right. So good on you. <laughs> Oh, oh! Was that was that a, was that a Paul Whitehouse? Uh. <laughs> Good job, Sunday. <laughs> oh, I would like to point out our message uh, because obviously Chris uh, missed our last episode and we had to move it because he'd confused Surely his not. dates. Surely not. So I messaged him earlier and said, we recorded in 15 minutes. You have remembered. And he messaged me back and said, don't worry, Sunbeam. I was like, yep, he's watched it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm bang on it. <laughs> I'm glad you uh, mentioning school though. Um, Jeremy Dyson and Andy Nyman have basically been mates since they were 15. Mm. 
apparently they they what was it they met a jewish um summer camp and yeah so they um and basically i think yeah i was listening to i listened to an episode of a thing called the fear which is basically uh people being interviewed about horror comedy and andy nyman's on there and mm. yeah he was uh, uh yeah he said that he, he was meant to go and see flash golden and then his sister, who was always doing this to him because she made him watch Thriller, you know, the Brian Clemens, uh, when he was like 10 or something like that, she was like, no, let's stay up and watch Thriller. <laughs> and so he said, he said, I've watched the opening titles and I ran screaming. Right, um, and it's the voice of Vincent Price, isn't it? Of, of what? Oh, Thr- not Thriller. Thriller. It's no, not, not Thriller. Oh, right. No, there was a We've TV got another, series. Another famous uh, Thriller. There was a TV anthology series, a bit like sort of Tales of the Unexpected, uh-huh. called Thriller, um, which had some good, scary episodes. Um, and, um, yeah, so apparently they were meant to go and see Flash Gordon, and his sister pulled him to one side, and was, uh, he was like 12 or 13. <laughs> she was like, she pulled him to one side and said, well, they can go and see Flash Gordon. I want to go and see The Fog. Come and see yeah. The Fog with me. <laughs> and he said that that was the thing that really got him started on horror he was like a, the fog and what was it oh yeah and apparently halloween was on the telly a couple of weeks afterwards so take that and watched it like 30 or 40 times and then by the time he met jeremy dyson they were both that's what bonded them was their sort of love of horror films and and so on and so forth and magic the so fog, another film in our 20 oh, movies that we should watch <laughs> i was also going to say it looks like thriller should also be in the list because it looks pretty good and bit of trivia it's got someone called michael jaston in it which is strangely close to michael jackson michael jaston, <laughs> michael jaston is forever either uh the valiard in doctor who mm. or a man who gave up joan collins to fuck a tree <laughs> yeah i've seen in that. another I, I know exactly what you're about yeah yeah put it on the list there you go it's, yeah it needs to be the on list there. is growing we can only cover that if I can be bothered to get round to covering Can I Play With Madness by um, Iron Maiden. I was just about but, to say Iron Maiden. But as Tales of Witness Madness. <laughs> <laughs> and talking of music, right, but... shouldn't we mention the song at the end of this? Why? Like, it's a good song, but why? What is the song at the end? <laughs> I'm just completely blank. It's the Monster Mash. Oh, of course oh, yes. it is. Yeah. <laughs> but Sorry, I don't know I'm, what. I'm... Yeah. Why not? Well, it's a great. Yeah, song. yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. If that is, I'm happy. That's a fine reason. <laughs> I'm not going to argue, but I thought maybe that. Like... What? What is it? Is Boris? Boris Pickett and the Crypt Kicker Five. Yes. And obviously, it was like a cash-in novelty single where they were like. Oh, we know a bloke who can sing like Boris, sounding like Boris Karloff. <laughs> I do have that on original seven inch that my brother gave me one mm-hmm. Christmas. Uh, he gave actually he gave me that uh, and uh, Return of the Fly by Misfits on seven inch Fuck as well. Me. That's a good Vincent Price Christmas. Yeah, it was. Because that week the price was right. <laughs> Another thing, the I think one of the other things that came up was, and I remember this from the time, 
um, when the film came out, one of the taglines was the brain sees what it wants to see. Mm. And so they they misspelt stories on the poster. They yeah. transposed the I and the E. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and it was a thing that, it, you know, it definitely Loads of took people a didn't, few glances. Didn't notice it, yeah. Oh, yeah. But funnily enough, I was, because I was looking into that and I saw, um, like there was some old, it was like some old forum post where it was people talking about it when the film was coming out. And like saying, oh, I hope, you know, most people are like, well, if it's as good as the play, it'll be fucking brilliant and so on and so forth. But there was one guy who was like, I'm not sure if they've done this deliberately or whether the bloke who put it on the side of the bus fucked it up. But <laughs> have you know, has anyone else noticed that the E and the I are around the wrong way? <laughs> yeah. But again, that, that, that's, that's a very a bit... Darren Brown, isn't it? I was it? just about to say, yeah. that is Andy Nyman and Darren Brown all over, isn't it? Stuff like it's mm. Yeah. Is it's that magic thing of tricking you into seeing stuff. I I, I remember because it's funny, once you get to know his stuff, it kind of we went mm. to see him once, uh, in a, a tiny little theatre under it was a little underground place. Um mm. I can't remember where it was now. I remember we got off the station and it was in some arches. It was a tiny little mm. theatre. Um, and he was basically saying to people, in the interval, I want you to queue up and come and write an animal on the board. Think of an animal, and he gave you three animals to think of. And we, we didn't go and queue up, but we sat in the seats. And then later on, we noticed all of the posters leading up to it, which were made... Monkey, to, elephant, and giraffe. They were made to look like... Well, I think it was something like that. And all the posters, mm. while you were in the queue, were made were. to look like other things they were doing as productions, but they all had the word tiger in them. So uh, it was obviously set up. Uh, but again, it's one of those... It was only... Mm. Once you spotted it, you went, oh, shit, yeah. Like, I wonder <laughs> how many people that worked. But it's just... It's so clever. It's absolutely unbelievable. The the thing the thing that got me when we saw Darren Brown was when they he did that it was like at the start of it he did like a relaxation thing where it was like right you know and it was all I want you to picture this and everything else like that like got everyone to stand up and then it was like yeah if you um, if you felt tired during that or I can't remember exactly what it was but it was like if you felt tired or you could really hear that in your head uh, remain standing. And it's like, and as I sat down, I was like, so you've just picked out all the suggestible people. Well done. I've yeah. Just, yeah. You know, immediately yeah. it's like, right, these are the people I'm going to focus on because I've yeah. practically hypnotised them now. Let them- <laughs> yeah, f- filter out to make sure you've got the right, the right people. Yeah. Again, but it's just, I mean, it's just a level of, I mean, I suppose it is psychology. To yeah, yeah, I know it. Yeah. Um, well, but it's, the, the it's the using it. Sorry, I was the term I use is mentalist. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Which, which unfortunately j- just makes me think of Alan Partridge. <laughs> I'm not coming back, you mentalist. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's doing things like completely in front of you. They're so obvious that they don't even register. And then... Mm. But I, th- I think with that, that getting you to sit down, I think he flipped it, didn't he? So he made the people that were standing up he'd presented it as if, right, you're the ones that are really difficult to trick. Whereas actually it was the opposite. It was, I seem to remember something like that. It was that. Where you all left feeling confident, like that, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. either either I'm easily going to beat you or I'm the other way around. So it's like, yeah, he's just using 
tricks to to put you in susceptible states. It is, but that's what that's what I love though, because when we saw him in South End and he did that, and mm, he basically yeah. allowed he got somebody to pick a load of stuff out of a newspaper by random, mm. like throw the newspaper, pick a random word, da da da. Yeah. And it got to the end of the show, and everyone applauded, and he went, and the curtain closed, and then he rushed back out and went, go and get those people who've already left, and they brought everyone back, mm. and he went. I'm going to show you the last hour back. And he showed you, do you remember? And it was all mm. the things where he told you what to look for mm. and what page to look at and what, and, and it was all from that show. You remember him turning round and thinking, why did he turn round wow. there? It was to wink at the camera because he just told you what That's you were going to do an hour. So it's just incredible. It's mm. so much fun to watch because it happens live in front of you. It's so easy to think, oh, it's Stooges or it's whatever. But when he does it there and then, you can't help but be absolutely... And it, it's it's kind of magic that's still magical even once he's told you the answer. Whereas most magic is like, oh, that's, that's no longer that exciting I, anymore. Now I know it. I do have to say, some of Darren Brown's stunt, uh, tricks are, are old magic tricks that he has very cleverly called psychology. Mm. and that's how he's resold it and that's really the the genius of it because it is because a lot of it is very similar to sort of like now and was that the card you're thinking of but then he tells you that yeah when i got up i said hi jack how are you doing and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know oh you look a very clubbable sort of chap you know, <laughs> like, was it the jack of clubs yeah. when actually he's just he's just card forced you mm. but it yeah. still you know it still works in that sort of sense <laughs> It, um, as you say, it doesn't take anything away, genuinely seeing how yeah. it does it. As you say, what, with a magic trick, you know, oh, how did he cut the woman in half? And you say how mm, he did it, you go, oh, that's a that's like, uh, yeah. But then yeah. when they when he shows you how he does it... You it's still go, really impressive. It's like, that's, that's still more clever yeah. than if it was just a magical force, is the fact that you've done that in like, front of like the, um, 500 the, the chess one, where he's actually playing the grandmasters against each other. But it looks like he's playing whatever nine games at once, you know, and it's like, oh no, he's actually just turned it all back on them, you know. Oh, really? So, Is that what still... he's doing? So he's doing so whatever the he was playing is... each move and then he would play the other move, yeah, against them. He'd sort of pair them up. Oh, and see so what he's, he's still do doing something it. really impressive, like to try and remember all of it and make sure he's doing it right. So there's still a chance that he'll mess it up. But yeah, ultimately, he's making it way easier, even though, yeah, you know, you can still be really impressed. So it's like it's a clever combination. That's incredible. My my favourite bit of Darren Brown psychology is one of the most simple, but it's so good. Which is, if you want to retain a seat to yourself on a bus, as people come on, smile at them, yeah. and have the seat next to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah. But um, yeah, because when when I was going through it, I didn't realise because Andy Nyman is like was involved with every Darren Brown show. Mm. Like he's a writer and co, uh, you know, sort of co-creator and everything else like that of the whole lot. So like Trick of the Mind and Seance, Russian Roulette. And a lot of it is all stuff that sort of hits into this. So, but I don't think one thing we have to say is that it might be the only time that Danny Dyer will appear on this podcast but we might have to do severance at some point. Oh, I thought that earlier when Chris said, I don't think I've seen Andy Nyman anything. And I was like, <laughs> severance. 
Yeah. I just, as soon as anyone mentions that film, it's a fantastic film and I love it. But all I can see is Andy Nyman jumping up and down on the diving board. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a fantastic. Uh, Chris, you'll you will definitely really enjoy that film. Mm. It is. It will strike a chord with you. I think the way that yeah. it, it did with us. Yeah. There's just, there's just that one line in it, and all I've, uh, a lot of people I know have just gone, oh yeah, and <laughs> yeah. I know the line, and when Chris watches it, he will know the line. Yeah. Oh, God, that needs to be bumped up the list now as well. Um, <laughs> and again, that's another one. You know, like we were saying with Paul Whitehouse and stuff, Danny Dyer, I know he's in EastEnders now, but and it, uh, we all knew him originally from Human Traffic. Yeah. But, I still uh, like his, his Star Wars conversation just, in Human Traffic. I don't care. That's that. Just in case, we will point out that that is a film called Human Traffic. We are yeah. not saying that Danny Dyer was funnier when he was a human trafficker. <laughs> Just yes. Now, Human Traffic. That I, I've not watched it for well since it came out. I cannot imagine that being a film that is aged in any way. So I, I'm not recommending anyone go and see it by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but definitely do go and watch Severance because it's fantastic. I did the weirdest thing with that though is that they essentially remixed it. The ten year anniversary of Human Traffic, or like the twenty, that must be the ten year or whatever like that. They just kept the film exactly the same, but just put different music on it, so it was a bit more <laughs> contemporary music. And you're like, well, what's the fucking yeah. point? <laughs> I suppose that's the idea. I suppose people who are going out on a Friday night, going mm. clubbing and getting off their nuts are still having exactly the same scenarios 20 years later. Just with different yeah, music. Just with different music that they're going to see. So, yeah, I, can, yeah. I suppose as a marketing it, thing. It might have worked for the people it was aimed at. Maybe. Reach for the lasers. Save yeah. the <laughs> <laughs> um, Right. I think I was going to say one last thing, and this is mostly because I want to recommend something to Chris. Mm. Um, they did talk about, there's an artist called George Shaw. Go and check his work out, Chris, because I think you'd really, really like it because your photography yourself is rather fucking incredible. Well, that's um, very nice of you to say. Thank it you. really is. But, well, we've but, got some in our house we've had blown up in canvas. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Nice. But, yeah, this this guy, George Shaw, even if you Google it um, quickly, stuff will mm. come up. And that is who they base the look of the film on, essentially. Uh. He does these very... They're both rural and uh suburban yeah okay but they are that that just that bleak yeah, sort of yeah. edge to it that you know is very british yeah so yeah so, mostly like i said i just wanted to recommend him to you chris mm, yeah no, excellent <laughs> excellent so mm. yes so in summation uh we'd like to say thank you ever so much to Joseph Watson for recommending yes. this uh, and Let's suggesting go. we cover it. it yeah, like what a brilliant call. Um, yeah, if anyone else is like, why haven't they covered that? Please let us know. Uh, we'll definitely consider it. As I say, we have got a massive backlog, so don't panic. If you don't recommend stuff, we've got loads of shit still to get through. But if there's something that you'd like to hear us cover, definitely let us know. Um, on our next episode, we are hopefully 
fingers crossed, as long as I don't fuck it up again like I did last time. Uh, going to be joined by Manny. Uh, mm, excellent. And he has asked if we would cover the Blair Witch Project. Ooh. Which, again, is another one of those landmark uh, movies. Yeah. Uh, and I know that Adam and I have got personal anecdotes to go along with that. So uh, it's, it's definitely one that we'd like to cover. Was it one of the first found footage? It was the, the first, first found like footage. the first or it the was, first that got big. I, was, I think it, there was a TV show that did it. Mm, the last okay. broadcast. There, there's a, there's a few others we will go through when okay. we yeah, yeah. that are found footage, but it was certainly the start of the current. And that, mm. I mean, considering that's what like nearly thirty years worth. Yeah, yeah, it is still current. It's still quite a current. Trope. I mean, if anything, I mean, let's face it. I mean, host is mm. kind of a extension of that. Mm, so yeah. it's something that is still very much alive, whether it's any good or not. You know, d- depend very much depends on the individual films. But um, mm. but yeah, excellent. Yeah. So go and check out the Blair Witch Project, and we'll be checking that out. If you haven't seen Ghost Stories, go and watch it. Uh, Again, I know we've been through spoilers, but uh, I feel that this film is one that it's Mm. got so much going on that it's it's a fantastic film. As I say, we'd seen it uh, in the uh, in the theatre, so we kind of knew what the stories were. And this film still just absolutely knocked it out of the park. It's a Mm. lovely tight hour and 40 minutes and it's just solid from beginning to end. Um, Go and check out. Sorry, I was going to say both are recommended. If you've not seen the play, go and see the play. If you yes. can, mm. because you do get a different experience to this, and you know this is a cinematic version of it compared to the stage show, and you will be whatever happens, you will be impressed. You know, it's yeah. so good. It has our seal of approval. So uh, that's the thing. I know the theatre can be quite expensive. And that's the thing. When you go and watch a show and there's a few of you, you're like, oh, between us, we've just pissed so much money away on something that was just mediocre or crap. But uh, this was just, I mean, we still remember it, as we say, what, 11 mm. years on? Yeah. yeah. It's still something that's pretty much in the forefront of my mind. When anybody says about a theatre experience, that one just comes up because it's just so well done. So, yeah. And the theatre experience, the opening music was Profondo Rosso by Goblin. Just wanted to get that in there. Oh. And I still liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So, go and check out... uh, uh, Blair Witch. That's the one. Check out Blair Witch. Check out Not For Everyone. uh, And we will see you all in a fortnight's time. My God, I'm tired. Thanks very much for listening. (laughs) Good night. Good night. Good night.